in Exodus. We're talking about something about home, something, yeah, something about first. Put God first, yeah, yeah. And some of you applied that, I know, because you were telling me how you were applying it this week, and I'm glad to hear that. That's good. Can you all see okay? Do you want the lights up a little bit more? Will that help you? Some of you all are like, no, I'm taking a nap. No, wake up. Wake up. Uh-huh. No rest for the weary. <laughs> Let's go ahead and start talking about habit number two, because we're talking about habits of highly healthy homes. How many of you want a highly healthy home? Amen. It, it uh, is amazing anytime you start talking about wanting your home to be more healthy, wanting it to be more God-centered, uh, it never fails. Never fails. You're going to face some adversity in, in making that happen. And some of you already know, you said, man, I already, I tried to start applying that this week, and man, it's just, whew. Hey, do not fear. Don't be faint of heart. Be bold and courageous, amen, because God will give you the strength that you need to have a healthy home, amen, and I'm thankful. Uh, we, we are facing adversity, but we know who our strength is. We know who our help is. So let's start tonight uh, with Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 6 in the New Living Translation. It's there on your handout as well. Uh, so it says, do not make idols of any kind, whether in the shape of birds or animals or fish. You must never worship or bow down to them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not share your affection with any other God. I do not leave unpunished the sins of those who hate me, but I punish the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generations. But I lavish my love on those who, who love me and obey my commands even for a thousand generations. Now, that is a pretty clear instruction, right? He says, I don't leave unpunished the sins of those who hate me. I don't want to fall into that category. I don't want to fall into the category of those who are opposing God, who, those who are uh, coming against God, because he says, I will not leave them unpunished. And he says, I'll punish them to the third and fourth generation. He says, but I will lavish my love on those who love me and obey my commands, even for a thousand generations. Man, I want to fall into that category. Amen? All right, so let's begin. What is an idol? What is an idol? Archaeologists have found evidence of idols in every culture through history. Statues of gods and goddesses, man has a misguided desire to turn things, to turn people or ideas into objects of worship. But God says don't. That's it. Just don't. Don't do that. Out of the 613 laws that are recorded in the Torah, which is Jewish law, more than 50 of them are prohibitions against idolatry. You think we might have a problem. We do. We've got a serious problem with idolatry. The Hebrew word pasel, which is graven image, means something carved or fashioned with the hands, but bowing down in front of a statue is only one expression of idolatry. 
There are many types of idolatry. An idol is anything for us that takes the focus off God and puts it on something else. Uh, You and I have a tendency, don't we? (laughs) To put other things first in our life. That's why we talked about it last week. We've got to put God first. And when we don't do that, uh, what we find is that when I put anything besides God first in my life, it becomes my idol, even if it's good. Even if it's good. There are some things that are, are, are good, but they become our idol because they take the place of God. Amen. I'd rather have God than the good. Because when I have God, I have all the good I need. Amen. And so... Uh, when we look at this, God doesn't want us, and, and the important point that we're trying to get, God doesn't want us to value anything more than we value Him. What do we value? What is it that we care about? Uh, in the U.S., the you know, worship of images is pretty rare. Um, you know, it does happen. Uh, you, you know, I, I would say carved images chiseled images, uh, you know, all these things. We, we, we see it, but it's, it's not as common as some of the other places that you can travel in the world, and people literally, literally bow down to images still. They offer offerings and sacrifices to images. We were in uh, Guatemala, and, and they, they were having a, a sacrifice. They were uh, doing some stuff, and they had, you know, a fire going, and they were literally uh, making sacrifice for uh, a God. They wanted a blessing to come upon their business, and so they had brought all this stuff as a sacrifice. And something uh, that we see in our world is, you know, a lot of times we, we look at in today's mindset, and in the U.S. mindset today, um, we probably worship ideologies more than we worship images, okay? But we are dealing with these, these worship ideologies that are against the God of the Bible, okay? Uh, I was talking to my children the other day, and I said, you know, my son, he asked me, he said, Dad, uh, could I watch something? And he was asking me if he could watch something, and I said, uh, no. Not yet. And he said, but somebody else watched it, Dad, and they said that it doesn't have any cussing in it. It's, it's not violent. Uh, he said, you know, it, it should be okay. And I said, but you don't understand, son. There might be some world views in there that I'm opposed to. There might be some things that, that they're subliminally putting into that programming that I, I don't think God would approve of. So let me check it out first. Let me make sure that there's nothing that, you know, I'm going to need to sit down and explain to you because even in our wonderful and and, and harmless uh, Disney programming, there's all kinds of stuff nowadays. You can't even turn on a cartoon anymore without there being something that is opposed to the way that the Bible says that we should live our lives. And so I, I don't want my children, and we call it programming for a reason, because it's, I know, it's, you know, we think of these blocks of schedules and the different programs that are on, but they're actually programming the children of our day. And so, 
uh, it's important that we understand that uh, even though there may be some, some good things out there, we have to be very careful because uh, if we get to the place where we have these ideologies and these worship philosophies that are uh, anti this word and anti God in, in our lives and, and they begin to be a train of thought. They begin to be our lifestyle and the way that we conduct our lives. Even though we come to church, we're still wrong. When we worship or we bow down to, you know, well, I know it's not right. I know it's not you know, it's technically, God probably wouldn't approve, but I'm, it's just entertainment. Well, it's quiet. Man, it's real quiet. I didn't expect to get that deep that fast. But when we get into things and we don't, you know, we don't shut things off that we know are not pleasing to God, guess what we're doing? We're in just as much idolatry as those people who are bound down to those statues. Because we're saying, okay, I know that's against God, but I'm going to go ahead and spend my time. I'm going to put my time up on the altar of sacrifice here. I'm going to put my mind, my brain, my spirit, my emotions up on that altar. And so it's really important for us to understand that, yes, we don't have a big uh, issue with, you know, Buddhas and images and, you know, uh, these uh, carved things and these chiseled things that we, oh, did you bow down to that statue today? No, I, you probably didn't. That's probably not a problem for you. But when was the last time that we considered some of the things, the other things that may be idols in our life? So in the Bible times, there were three primary idols. Many of you have probably already heard these. If you have, uh, hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll have a, a better understanding. But Baal was the god of sex. Mammon was the god of money. And Molech was the god of violence. So these three were the main gods that were discussed in the Bible. When you look at different, you know, you see different uh, sections of the scripture and you're reading, when you understand uh, these these three gods or these three primary idols, um, this will help you because the baser human desire uh, for unrestricted or out of bounds uh, uh, relations, selfishness, and violence, they're all reflected in these ancient idols. Okay, you you really can kind of boil down most of what attracts us, most of what tempts us. Most of what we have a tendency to bow down to in these three categories. Today, you know, um, we don't worship objects as much as we worship ideas and images. All of these images of sensuality, of greed, violence, they're reflected on television and media. We're, we're caught up in this. We, we get... We get hung up in this, and this is why, again, and I gotta, I've got to be, I'm going to be careful because I don't, want, I don't want to make you mad. That's not my point. My point's not to make you mad. It's not to make you think that I'm ultra-conservative and, you know, uh, I, I, I think that everybody's going to hell for breathing, okay? That's not the point. But you need to understand some things about this, okay? We deal with these ideas and images. Many of you probably don't even know who's up on the screen right now. Some of you have no clue. Some of you know every one of them. 
See? Some of y'all are like, I don't know. I know the one. I don't know the other one. And what's up with that guy at the top? He's one of the most popular male artists right now. Anyways, I'm just going to let that be. How many of you know who he is? Okay. How many of you can, can pick out all but maybe one of those pictures? You know everybody else. Okay. So, what do you think, what do you think most rap music is? Ideas. It's just ideas. It's just ideas trying to influence culture. That's all it is. Set to a beat. <laughs> well, anyways, I'm going to move on. I, I, I don't want to get started because that's really all music is too. Guess who is the worship leader in heaven? Don't you think he knows a little something about how to get people to worship? Worship is a major issue uh, in our society because it's not, it's not do you worship, it's what do you worship. And so the task of teaching our children what values are important is made much more difficult today because of all the idols that they're bombarded with. I, I, I'm like, some, some days I'm just, I, I, I can't hardly get my head around it all. Because I've always been on the cutting edge. Like since I was a kid, I've been on the cutting edge. My parents will tell you this. I've always liked technology. I've always liked to keep up with what was going on. And, and, and now at 43, I still consider myself to be somewhat in the know. I know to all of the teenagers and those probably younger than me, you're like, yeah, whatever, Pastor. Not even close. That's fine. Um, but I, I will say this. There is so much more coming at our kids than ever before. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, they, if, you, if you were interested in, in things like pornography and different things like that, guess what you had to do? You had to go to 7-Eleven, and you had to go to the, the magazine rack, right? Or you had to order it to your house. You can get all of the same stuff and worse, on your phone now. You got people worried about people watching TV. I'm worried about people on their phones. I'm worried about, does the Holy Ghost guide you through what you're looking at on your phone? Anywho, I, I got to keep moving. I'm, I'm just telling you, folks, this is not a time to, like, Stick your head in the sand and be like, oh, well, you know, the kids will be okay. No, no, they won't. They have so much coming at them that if we are not aware of what idols they're being bombarded with and, and even have a clue about what they're talking about. I mean, somebody asked me, and I, I think I told you guys this not too long ago, but somebody asked me, what do you think about Kanye? I, I don't know what I think about Kanye. I know that he's starting to sing Christian music now, okay? Do I totally get that he's had a complete transformation? I don't know. We'll see. But he's obviously moving in the opposite direction than he was moving. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, 
I guess that's better than the way he was going. So I can celebrate that. That's good. Does that mean I'm going to go buy all of his old stuff? No, I'm definitely not. <laughs> well, I just stepped out right into it. Got it on my shoe. Well, what is the second commandment? Did y'all get that? Did y'all watch that? You got it? Good. I'm, Joe is the only one that got it. Don't bow down. There's only one God. Don't bow down to any other gods. So the second commandment is aimed directly at the human tendency to take matters of right and wrong into our own hands. <laughs> oh, I would never do that. Yeah, we do. We do it on a daily basis. And then we have, you know, some of these shows that are so popular in our culture are, are so anti-God. But yet, they're popular. We, you know, everybody talks about them. This is idolatry in its purest form. When a person chooses a lifestyle that violates the moral will of God, they're erecting an idol fashioned by their own hands and making God over in their own image so that they won't feel condemned by His commandments. I want you to think about that. What is it in your life that you've tried to make God over in your own image about? Well, you know, if we serve a loving God, I just don't see how God could, you know, how He could really not love homosexuality. You know, and, and every, you know, commercial, every ad, everything that's out there now, like one in three, they've got, you know, two dads or two moms trying to teach the, the kids that's okay. And the kids are so confused. And some of them act out and they're frustrated and they got all kinds of pent-up issues going on in their life. Why? Because it's so against the way that God intended for it to be. Well, we got to quit trying to fashion God. Well, I think God would be okay with. I've heard somebody say that. I think God would be okay with. No. If he says in his word he's not okay with it, he didn't change his mind for you. He didn't say, well, you know, I guess I'll make an exception for Jennifer today. You know, Jennifer, she wants to do what she wants to do and not what I want her to do. So I guess I, guess I could let that slide just for today. No. That's not how it works. Sister Judy, just because you decide that something is okay, if he says in his word it's not okay, it, you deciding it's okay doesn't make it okay. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't make up the rules. The rules are already there. I can't make up my own set of commands. He's already given the commands. And whenever I decide that I don't want to do things his way, guess what I'm doing? I'm making myself God. I'm saying, I don't have to listen to you. You're not the God of my life. Let, let, let me show you what I think. And then inevitably it blows up right in our face and it, it's ugly. But idolatry in its purest form is us deciding what it is is right and wrong. Well, I, I, just, don't, I just don't think that 
you know, God, God would probably be okay with that. No, he probably wouldn't if his word says he's not. In fact, I know he won't. The second commandment is simply a reiteration of the directive that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 2. We read it in verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. God was prohibiting man from meddling with morality. They were not to change in any way what God had declared to be right and wrong. But mankind's moral code is off limits to us, according to God. And if we don't understand that, then what we start to do is, we, well, except for this area. And, and what we find is that our country is so messed up in that right now that we don't even know what's right and wrong. The average person, you say sin, they're like, what is sin? They don't even, they don't have a clue. Man, used to uh, people that, that uh, were doing things that they knew were not pleasing to God, they would, they would, when they got around you, there would be conviction that would come over them, and they would say, oh, I know I'm not living right. Now, people flaunt it. They, they talk about it on Facebook. They publish it to the world. They don't care who knows. I'm going to not go real deep here because I had a few things that I wanted to say, but I, I think probably it would be best for me to finish this lesson first. If we begin to meddle with morality, what's right and what's wrong, we place ourselves in that God spot. The devil tries to portray God, in Genesis we see this, as the taker. What's God trying to do? He's, oh, he's punishing you. He's not, he's not fair. Oh, God's just not fair. When really, God is the giver. You mean you can't eat of one, that, that one tree? How horrible. He just said you can have all the other trees. Look at, look at all he's given you. He's made it so easy. You don't even have to work right now, Adam. You've got it so good, you don't even know how good you have it, right? The old, old saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. You know, it's so true because God is not a taker. He is a giver. He gave man the breath of life. He gave man the garden. He gave uh, uh, all the things that they needed were provided there for them. And before God ever gave Eve a prohibition, Adam and Eve a prohibition, He first gave them permission. He was saying, I want you to enjoy everything that I've created. Just don't usurp my rightful place and moral authority. I, I want you to enjoy everything. I, I, I give you permission. Have, the, have all the fun you want. Enjoy this. Enjoy that. Just, just really uh, live it up. I want you to have that. The only thing I don't want you to do is don't mess with this one tree because that's the tree. Now, now some people say, oh, well, that's just horrible. Why would he put that tree there? Because if that tree wasn't there, they would just be puppets. They'd be robots. They have no choice. They can't make the wrong choice because the right choice is the only one there. So why is there a tree that they're not allowed to touch? Because in order for them to choose right, there has to be a wrong choice. Well, that just seems mean. How unfair of God. Well, 
Let's, let's get the focus on God the giver. James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen. He gives and He gives and He gives. And He keeps on giving. And He never runs out. The alternate lifestyle that people are sure that if the Bible restricts us, you know, people, people will say, well, you know, that, uh, you know, the Bible is trying to keep us from loving somebody who, you know, I can't help who I love. Have you heard that? I've heard that. I just can't help who I love. I can't help how I was born. I hope I'm not offending anybody. I'm not trying to. But this alternate lifestyle business, it's, it's, it's like, well, God's trying to keep me from loving who I want to love. No, He's not. If, if, and they, they kind of carry it even further. Like, if, if He's going to keep me from this lifestyle, then what else is He going to keep me from? But that's not how God is. He's not trying to restrict us from all pleasure. He's trying to protect us. We talked about it last week. He's, he's not doing this to be mean. He's doing this to protect us. Song of Solomon celebrates pleasure. You know, intimate pleasure. If, don't ever read Song of Solomon with your kids unless you are ready to explain some stuff. But, you know, God has some moral parameters built into the Song of Solomon. They're married, folks. It's a marriage between a man and a woman. Adam and Eve, it's not Adam and Steve. Adam was tempted to become like God because, you know, or Eve was, because she, if she was God, she gets to make the rules. <laughs> I mean, think about it. The second commandment says God is jealous he will allow no substitutes for himself. Why? Not because he's insecure, not because he's insane, not because he's a, a fascist, not because he's possessive, but because he's intensely devoted to us. If, God's, if God would allow us to engage in idol worship, then he would be willfully abandoning us to the harmful counterfeits that inflict cruel disappointment and disillusionment on humanity every day. And I'm sorry, Brother Miguel, that's a lot of big words. Deuteronomy 4, 15 and 16. For your own good, don't sin by making an idol in any form at all. For your own good. Why do you think, why do you think God... Is, is, is so serious about this because he understands. He understands everything else is going to let you down. Right? You know, some people wonder why I'm so protective of my daughters in their dating. Well, kind of the same concept. Yeah, I can't protect them from everything, but I can protect them from some things. And there's some things that I want to protect them from. And so we have to understand, you, you know, God's not being mean to us by trying to keep us from some things. You know, he's trying to protect us. Most of you, you would do the same thing for your children. You would do the same thing for your spouse. 
Well, I'm, I want to say stuff, but I don't want to get in too much trouble. Avoid the counterfeits. Stay away from the things that are just fake. They're just trying to take the place of God in your life. My wife, sometimes she will tell me, we've had some discussions about this, and she will tell me, you need to stay away from that woman. I'm thankful that I have somebody that will tell me that. Because let's just be honest. Guys, we can be kind of dumb. We can be a little naive at times. And sometimes I'm just being friendly. I'm just being nice. I'm not trying to flirt or anything like that. And my wife picks up on a vibe that I don't pick up on. And she's like, you need to stay away from that woman. Okay. Done. Why? Why, do, why would I listen to her? Because she has my best interests in mind. She's trying to help me avoid the counterfeits. Why would I listen to God? He has my best interest in mind. He wants to protect me from the things that will let me down. What do idols do to me? What do idols do? Well, first of all, idols will disappoint me. Idols will disappoint me. Jeremiah 10, 14, those who make idols are disillusioned because the gods they make are false and lifeless. I will be disappointed if I put anything else in place, and, and, and let me just say this, this is the reason why some people, they, they, they get married, they get divorced, they get married, they get divorced, because what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to put their spouse in place of God. And then when their spouse disappoints them, they can't understand why things are so jacked up in their life. Well, it's because God wasn't first in your life, your spouse was. I don't care how good they are. I don't care how wonderful they are. If they take the place of God in your life, they will disappoint you. Your family will disappoint you. Your kids will disappoint you. Your parents will disappoint you. Your pastor will even disappoint you. I mean, I try to limit, okay, the amount of disappointment, but I understand. Some of you, you're going to see Every once in a while, you're going to see that I'm human. You're going to be like, really, Pastor? Look, let me just say, for those times, please, you need to read what? What do you need to read? Some of you know what I'm about to say. There it is. I was wondering who was going to get it. A gold star for you, Sister Gisela. The bait of Satan, the bait of Satan is that you will be offended and you will be taken out of the church whenever you see that the ministry is actually human. The bait of Satan, every, every Christian needs to read it. All right, I'm going to move on. Number two, okay, I didn't say that, uh, so let me say it. They will always promise, idols will always promise more than they can deliver. You'll build it up in your mind like it's going to be awesome, and then it's never that good. Anytime you expect anyone to solve all your problems or guarantee all your happiness, you're going to be disappointed. They're the perfect guy for me. It's the perfect vacation. 
You should just have these warning. Anytime somebody says, oh, it couldn't be anybody. It's just most perfect. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. It's like red flags. No, stop. Don't believe it. It's not going to be perfect. That's what I want to tell some people. Like I, I had a, a couple one time, and they were telling me how their, their marriage was just going to be. They said, we're going to have the perfect marriage. We are committed to work, so it's going to be the perfect marriage. We're going to have the perfect wedding. And I was just like, oh, no. You were so headed for disappointment. All right. Number two, idols will dominate me. They will disappoint me, but they will also dominate me. 1 Corinthians 12, 2, before you knew Christ, you were controlled by dead idols who always led you astray. Before you knew Christ, you were controlled by dead idols who always led you astray. There are two inevitable effects when you love something more than you love God. There's two inevitable effects. Number one, it begins to control you. The modern word for idol is addiction. Addiction. Sorry, I know it's not real big. My bad. I'll say it. Addiction. I can even spell it if you want me to. So let me look at my... No, I'm just kidding. Eventually, the idol begins to run your life. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I can give it up anytime I want to? You know what I always say? Well, then why don't you? If you can give it up anytime, why not start today? Well, Pastor, I know I have this issue with blank, right? But I can give it up anytime I want to. It's really not a problem. And you know what I always say? Well, then go ahead and do it. If it's not a problem, go ahead and do it. Make sure that God knows he's first in your life. Oh, but it's really not a problem. I can do it anytime I want to. And I, then, then sometimes I'll, I'll like, okay, let me appeal to your rational side. Think of all the money you would save by giving it up. I told somebody one time, I said, just add up how much you spent on all that last year. They came back and they said, thousands of dollars. I said, wow. <laughs> um, I'm going to just keep going. I, I got to keep going. The idol is dominating and distracting your life, and that's what happens when you are being dominated. It will cause you to be led astray. Idols make you lose your perspective and cause you to set aside your values or compromise your convictions. If you let another person control your life by their approval or disapproval, you know what uh, psychologists call it? They call it codependency. You ever heard, anybody ever heard that word? You know, if, if, you're, if your son rises and falls by somebody's approval or disapproval in your life, you're, a code, you're codependent. You need somebody else to survive. Guess what they are? They're your idol. The Bible doesn't call it codependency. The Bible says it's idolatry. You can break codependency by putting God first in your life again. Put him back in first place. If somebody's, you know, approval or disapproval of you, if it wrecks you, then you are codependent and you are living in idolatry. you got to say, you know what, I will not let this dominate and control me anymore. I'm going to get God at first place in my life again. Um, 
you, many of you know, and I've, I've said this before, when I first started pastoring, I, I will admit, I mean, I'll just admit uh, openly here, I, I cared way too much about what people thought. And if somebody was like, you know, you're a horrible person, you're a bad pastor, you, you know, whatever, like, it just wrecked my world. Like, I was like, man, how can I fix this? How can I make it better? How can we, you know... And now people say it all the time, and I'm just like, eh, no, I'm just kidding. People don't say it all the time. But, but I don't, like, it doesn't bug me anymore. I realize I can't pastor everybody. Not everybody's going to be okay with my style. It's fine. But it doesn't wreck me like it used to. And so what did I have to realize? I had to realize that what people thought about me was an idol in my life. And the moment that I realized it was that serious, I was like, we got to get this fixed. And now you know what I'm doing? I've got kids. All three of my kids have my mentality, and they have my personality. And they, they've got a, a little too much me in them. And especially Ashton and Julia. Jasmine, she kind of could care less what people think sometimes. But my oldest and my youngest, they both care too much. And so you guess what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to help them see it in their life. I don't want them... To be, uh, to be bound by that and dominated by that. All right, number three, idols will deform me. Idols will deform me. Uh, Psalm 115, verse 8, those who make idols will become like them, and so will those who trust in them. Idols change us. They warp us. And they cause us to lose the uniqueness that God gave you as you become like what you value the most. <laughs> I've, uh, well, I don't know how far I should carry this. Some stuff that people do, I don't know if I'm going to name it or not. Maybe I will. But there are some stuff that people do that they say it makes them unique. Right? Whether it be, okay, I'm going to name it, tattoos, piercings, um, uh, wearing skinny jeans, <laughs> wearing yoga pants. I mean, I'm just, okay, I'm, I'm trying to be good here. Um, there's a, but there's a lot of things, right? Uh, used to, back in the day, it was sagging your pants, you know, like guys sagging their pants. I know some of you don't even know anything about that. Uh, those of you who are around, even close to my age, you totally understand. That was like, you know, that was the thing. Uh, when Jeremy and I, when we were uh, growing up and teenagers, we used to tight roll our, our pants at the bottom. Like, it was kind of cool to wear them somewhat baggy and then tight roll them at the bottom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Tight rolling? It's back in now. Yes, I know. Uh, no, no, wearing no socks with your, your shoes and boat shoes and, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of little things, and people are like, you know, that's just who I am, that makes me unique, and I've seen a lot of people that uh, back in the day, they, I think they called them emu, and they were, you know, or goth, and they would have this distinctive style, and there's people who, uh, they, 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 you know, they have these earrings, and these earrings that they start with little circles, and they become bigger and bigger and bigger circles, you know, anybody don't know, and they're like, no, that, that's, Oh, that, that makes me so, you know, different from everybody else. And I'm like, no. No, it really doesn't because there's a lot of other people sagging their pants. There's a lot of other people that are tattooing their whole body, 
okay? It doesn't make you as unique as you think it makes you because what you're doing is you're actually putting yourself in place of God. And so uh, they're cha it's changing you, it's warping you and causing you to lose the uniqueness that God gave you as you become what you value the most. I'm going to keep moving. So much that comes to my mind. We shape an idol, and then it ends up shaping us. Since we become like whatever's first in our life, we need to reserve that spot for God. Right? We, we need to make sure that God is number one, because if He is number one, then guess what is the natural tendency? We will become like Him. He will be our focus. He will be what our attention is set on. When the rich young ruler in Matthew 19 asked, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Do you know Jesus never said that to anybody else in the Bible? Not once. The only person he said it to was because he knew that was the idol in this guy's life. Do you know where, and sometimes people, they... they, they leave church and they're like, man, pastor was, he just hit me right between the eyes or, you know, the, the scripture, the, the word just smacked me today, you know, and, and do you know why that is? Because when you get in the presence of Jesus, that is what's best for you. It's best for you that God deals with you and, and, and cuts right to the chase and says, okay, this is the idol in your life. This is what needs work. So some people, they, they think it's me and they get mad at me like, you, who have you been talking to? And you, you know, you were, you were calling me out without saying my name in the service. And I, I've had people say everything like, you know, did you talk to my parents? Were you talking to my brother? Did you, you know, I, like I get blamed for this and I'm like, why don't you talk to God about that? Maybe he knows everything. Maybe he really is omniscient. Sister Ola, maybe he does know everything. And maybe he spoke some words through me or through the word. Or maybe, I didn't even say it, but you heard it. Because you were in the presence of God and he said, this is your idol. This is your problem. This is what you're dealing with. And you said, oh. And a lot of times, you know what people do? They do just like that rich young ruler. They walk away sorrowful. They're sad because I, I, I don't want to deal with the idol in my life. Well, what do you need to give up? What is it that's holding you back from becoming and being all that God wants you to be? What is your idol? Is it an activity? Is it a possession? Is it a career? Is it a relationship? Is it a habit? Whatever it is, it's an idol. Pastor, you know, it's easy for you to get up and say all this stuff. But, you know, you probably have issues too. I'm, I'm just going to, I'll just take that. Absolutely, I do. And every day, every day, every, every, every day, I have to check and say, God, are you first in my life? If, if there are other things that are clouding my affections, if there are other things that I'm focused on, then God, would you help me today? I, I will be honest with you, uh, as long as your pastor is still in this skin, I'm going to deal with it. As long as you can still pinch yourself and feel pain, you're going to deal with it. If God's word tells you to give something up and you can't let go of it, you don't own it. It owns you. 
Has anybody ever, this kind of, I thought about this the other day. Has anybody ever thought about how small $50 looks like at the grocery store? But how big it looks like at church? <laughs> saying, I'm just saying, some of y'all, you will drop $50 on some stuff that, <laughs> let's be honest, it was mostly impulse, right? Because I was just going to get milk and I ended up with a full cart. And there goes, how did I spend that much money? And then get up to take offering and, and uh, say, you know, be faithful in your tithes and your offerings. And like, that's a lot of money. Well, you just dropped that at Walmart. You didn't even bat an eye. I mean, you, did, how many of you, when you go through the checkout lane at Kroger, you're like, okay, so what are you going to do for me since I'm buying all this from you? They look at you like you're weird. But yet, God says, prove me. Prove me. If you put your money in the right place, prove me. And, and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing. You don't even have room enough to contain. Man, Kroger and Aldi have never promised that. They never say, I'll give you all the rice you can eat. You know? Bread for life. No, they didn't say that. So, human feelings. Everybody say human feelings. They are one of the biggest idols that we have today, our feelings. I was talking to some pastors about this yesterday. Psychology gives feelings a respectability and significance beyond their due. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how, like, we've changed the terminology of everything about our feelings? Your feelings can be irrational, or, or irrational. they can be changeable, they can be unpredictable, they can even be, sometimes your, your feelings are incomprehensible. You can't even, like, I don't even know what came over me. Your feelings can be confused with your moods, which are sometimes merely the product of indigestion, insufficient sleep, a bad hair day, Oh, I know, y'all, you guys are all just heroes when it comes to your feelings. I'm glad you all have it in check and you're doing great. Man, trying to make your pastor feel bad up here. When major decisions and actions are based primarily on feelings, there is a lot of damage that is generally the result. When you're making decisions based on your feelings, you're in trouble. Because the idolatry of feelings becomes evident when we bow down to them as facts, as though feeling something actually makes it so. <laughs> People who marinate in their feelings, you know what they are? They're idol worshipers. Do you all still love me? If you, are, if you are having yourself a pity party... You're marinating in your feelings. Well, I just don't feel like so-and-so, and I feel like this, I feel like... And if that's all you're ever focused on, guess what? You're going you're gonna to be depressed. You're going to be let down. And you know what? Sometimes you even, you say, well, I have a right to feel this way. Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's talk about Jesus' rights. Let's talk about what he had a right to feel. 
That puts things in perspective, doesn't it? He, he didn't let his feelings dictate because he said, oh, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless. All right. I got to keep moving because I, I should have been finished by now. Uh, when anything but God becomes the end point of your attention and your activities, it's idolatry. And this is a counterfeit that will damage your family. Many marriages are broken up today simply because of one partner who has decided that they are not happy. I'm just not fulfilled anymore. And if this, uh, it, it's like, well, okay, so does that negate your wedding vows? It's not supposed to. The children involved are then exposed to uh, this hyper-erotic dating pattern of, you know, the, their parents and, and how they then try to cope with these feelings of loss. And it, it statistically puts them at risk to be sexually active at an early age. All because mom wasn't happy. All because dad wasn't fulfilled. And like every sin of idolatry, this sin visits the iniquity of the parents upon the children through the succeeding generations, like the word says. It's not enough. Just, it won't just affect, well, it's just going to, these are my decision, it only affects. No, your decision does not just affect you. That's why your pastor is so passionate about this. Because when you make bonehead decisions, you mess your kids up. Why we all have to be very serious about this. We have to think about this. We have to say, are there idols in my life that I'm bowing down to? Because if there are, it's going to mess my kids up. My wife and I, uh, there are some times where we will discuss things, just her and I, and it's those head-scratching moments. And I'm like, oh, that person, they have so much potential. They are so gifted. They are so, you know, whatever. And then it's kind of like, oh. Why are you so frustrated? Because they're definitely not putting God first in their life. And do you know who is, who is going to be hurt the most by it? Them babies that I love so much. And sometimes I just tell my wife, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I tell my wife, I wish I could shake that parent. I just wish I could just shake them a little bit. I know I'm not supposed to. Like baby shaking syndrome, you know, I'm not, I'm not supposed to shake them. But I wish I could. And say, don't you see what you're doing to your family? Don't, don't you realize what you are teaching your children by the idols that you have set up in your life right now? I know it's really deep and it's really intense right now. And some of you are thinking, oh, I'm going to find something on Pastor. I'm going to find something because he is, he is just nailing me. A lot of times we seek stimulation as an endpoint in life and it, it fails when we can medicate ourselves to achieve greater stimulation or survive our disappointment or feelings of meaningless and that's where addictions happen. Because addictions are short-term answers to timeless problems. Addictions are short-term answers to timeless problems. Laws, morals, commitments, obligations, values, relationships, and love, they're all sacrificed to create a feeling. Many of you know the old song, I'm hooked on a feeling. Some of y'all don't know that. See, I, I'm hitting the old and the young tonight. I don't even know why I showed those pictures. Because only five people in here knew it. Everybody next door knows it. All those teens know it. 
I should have saved it for them. Why do we worship idols? Number one, we are attempting to limit God's location. If I can put God in a statue or in a church building, then I can just leave him behind when I don't want him to be around. I don't want God going everywhere I go or seeing everything I do, but he does anyways because God's everywhere. When we were growing up, they always said, you know, if you're going on a date, remember, Jesus is going with you. Anybody remember that? Remember, he's in the, he's in the car with you. I knew one parent that said, take your Bible and put it between the two of you, and then that'll be a good reminder. Anybody had to do that? A couple of you had to do that? Okay. Put that Bible in there. You remember, Jesus is sitting right next to you. We don't, want to, we don't want God to go everywhere with us. That's awkward. That can be a little restrictive. Number two, why we worship idols? We're attempting to reduce God's power. You see, if I can put God in a statue or in a church building, then he's less imposing and threatening and more convenient and manageable. I can, I can control how this is going to go, you know, because, he, you know, he, he's... Uh, he, he's, in the, he's in the church, you know, he's just in the church, and I'm not at church right now, so we've reversed Genesis 1.27 that says, let us make man in our image, to read, let us make God in our image. Let's fix this. People say, my idea of God, have you, anybody ever heard that? Woo! I was going to college, and my professor, I, was, I said something, one of my papers or whatever, and she pulled me aside, she said, well, my idea of, of God is not that. And I said, I really don't care what your idea of God is. Because you don't define God. God just is. Amen. And I know who he is and how he is from his word. I don't change that because I say my idea of God is. All right, let me, let me hasten to a close. Who made you the authority? It's a whole lot easier for me just to change my image of God than to let me let him change me into his image. That's more painful. A lot of people change their theology because they can't justify their lifestyle any other way. That's why people go to it, sometimes they go to a different church. I'm not, look, I'm not picking on anybody that's left here, but sometimes when people leave, it's because they don't want to line their life up to the word of God. It's not because this church is wrong. It's not because somebody at this church made them mad. A lot of times it's just, well, I just don't want to see it that way. And I can't do anything about that. I'm not changing the word of God. We're, we're not watering down anything. We're, we're not going to go and create our own set of guidelines that's outside of the word of God. It's just not going to happen here. You'll have to find a different preacher for that. We want to make God like us. We want... God in our lives in a small pre-measured dose. You guys have heard me uh, read the poem, I want $3 worth of God, please. I want God to bless me, but I don't want him to run my life. God says that's idolatry. So number three, we are attempting to control God. If I can put God in a statue, if I can put him in a church building, then I can manipulate him. See, with an idol, the worshiper has more control than the thing that's being worshiped. The thing that's being worshipped just sits there. There's a little boy that was wanting a new bike, and uh, you guys have you guys have heard me tell this. I told it around Christmas time, but you know he's he starts writing his letters to God, you know, and he's telling his letters to God. He's like, 
you know, God, I've been good for six weeks, I've been good for two weeks, and he's like, you know, I've been good for a day, and then he goes and he gets the statue of Mary from the nativity, he's like, God, if you ever want to see your mother again, you know. <laughs> Many adults, they are, they're trying to demand things of God, but we don't, we don't manipulate God, we're supposed to worship him, all right? So what are some of the benefits of worshiping God? Number one, it will delight me. Proverbs 37, 4, seek your happiness in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. When I put God first, I experience fulfillment in my life that I looked for in so many other places. Avoid the counterfeits. Don't settle for an image of God. Uh, that's just a shadow of the real thing. So why do I worship, why do I worship God? Why, what is so important? Why should I worship God? Uh, so number one, I don't know if it's coming. I think it is. There it is. Uh, it will delight me. Okay. Number two, it will deliver me. John eight thirty six. if the sun sets you free, you will be really free. The Bible promises that you will experience freedom like you've never felt if you put God first in your life. Right, Will? That's what it says. If I put him first, he's going to set me free. He's going to make me free. I, the, the only way, you know, I, I may be poor, but I can be rich in Christ. I, I may be, you know, going through something, but I have peace because of Jesus Christ, because I put him first, because he's on the throne. And so you live your life for an audience of one. You no longer have to worry about the expectation and the approval of others, because you're only focused on pleasing God. God will set you free from your past regrets. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody have any past regrets? Check and check. <laughs> your present habits. Sorry, and I messed those up on the fill in the blanks there. Your present habits and your future worries. Sorry, those of you that are already filling in and you've, I've messed you up, just put an arrow. That is real freedom. God sets you free from past regrets. He sets you free from your present habits and your future worries. Okay, number three, the benefits and blessings of worshiping only God. It will develop me. It will develop me. 2 Corinthians 3.18, as the Spirit of the Lord works with us, we become more and more like Him. So when I put God first, I become the unique person that God meant for me to be in the first place. You become like what you love. God has a special plan for each and every one of us. He has a plan and a purpose for who He wants you to be. You were not created to be somebody else. Sister Rebecca, you were not created to be an Ola. Right? You know, some of you, 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 you compare yourself so much, but God's like, if you'll just... Love me, if you'll serve me, if you'll put me first. You, you are so special in and of yourself. God made you that way. And so I can be developed into who God wants me to be. And when you get free from everybody else's approval and opinions and trying to you know, please everybody and everything in your life, and you say, God, whatever you want from me. Wow, that is liberating. And then you start to really live life. It's not easy uh, for us 
because we can't reach our full potential. And your family won't be able to reach its full potential without putting God first. There's no way. It's not easy to build a family or a life on God's values when everybody else in society is saying, these are the values. You, you, should, you should live like this. You should do this. This is what you should idolize. And we live in a culture that is so against the things of God. Some people have an image of God as angry and an unappeasable un, parent who's never pleased with them. And other people have an image of God as a feeble grandparent that lets them get away with murder because they can't stop them. All of these are false images of God and they are idols. God wants you to know Him as He really is. God wants you to know Him as He really is. And how do we get to know what God is really like? Get to know Jesus Christ. Get to know Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.5 Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 1 John 5.21 uh, says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. We can only put God first in our lives if we are willing to live by His Word and follow His plan of salvation that delivers us from all the counterfeits. So, habit number two, avoid the counterfeits. Don't bow down to anything but God in your life. Don't let anything control you. Don't let anything dominate you. Don't let anything develop you or deform you. But allow God to mold you, to shape you, and, and that you will become everything he has intended for you to become. All right. I went extra long, and I am only a little sorry. I'm only a little sorry. I probably should be more. I'm 10 minutes sorry, okay? I'm 10 minutes sorry. I'll try to do better next time. No, I won't try to do better next time. Because then I would be bowing down to what you really think of me. I'm just playing with you. All right. So as we close tonight, I do want to encourage you. Um, many of you, how many of you have the planning center, the church center?